1: Welcome to Season 1, Episode 19 of the Grave Consequences Podcast. I am Caleb B, and that's where you can follow me on Twitter. Follow my host, Maserati, at X Maserati. He'll put that in the podcast description, because uh, I'm not going to spell that shit right now. It's way too early in the morning. Uh, we're recording, actually, on Christmas Eve. So we're... This drops, what, like, middle of January?
0: um, Second or, week, I think.
1: Or Is this the New Year's Eve episode?
0: I think the New Year's Eve episodes are. I think that's eighteen, <clears throat> and I think this will drop in next week. I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, because we had one drop this morning. What was it?
0: Uh, I'm see we're recording really early in the morning. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not awake yet. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, season one seventeen. So yeah, this is gonna drop on the seventh of January.
0: Not bad. I mean, unlike other shows. We always we don't skip weeks. We're ahead, no. actually. Uh, so other we love our fans more than other shows that shall remain nameless. Uh, but I just want to put that out there.
1: That man. energy. I'll, I'll give you eight guesses
0: as to which one of those shows it is. I'm, I'm calling out everybody, bro. That's my Christmas uh,
1: spirit. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. We don't take weeks <laughs> off, man. We're like we're like Darren Young in NXT. No days off.
0: We're like Scrooge. You know, we're going to work that Christmas day. You don't get to see your family. We got work to do.
1: Oh, exactly.
0: You know, Tiny exactly. Tim can go to hell. And you
1: should. Early bird gets the worm, dude. Yeah, Tiny Tim. Oh, he's got rickets or whatever. Who cares?
0: It's not um, a wonderful life. Get back to work.
1: Oh, man. Uh, I know by the time this comes out, it's going to be dated. <clears> but uh, I will ask you a, a very serious question. Um do you have a favorite Christmas movie and if so what is it?
0: A Christmas movie? Uh well uh I I do hate Christmas.
1: Um Okay. Yeah, you're not, a Grinch.
0: Yeah, I I am very much a, a um a Grinch, a uh a curmudgeon. people yeah. have termed me. Uh just because I think it's more for I I think it should be just for kids. Uh because mm-hmm. I I remember being a kid and that was you know, getting all the presents—it's—it's. It's, I think it should be for kids, and I think it gets weird when—and this is my irrational and probably incorrect opinion. So I'm not calling anyone else wrong for thinking the correct way. Uh, I know I'm broken, and uh, <laughs> there's yeah. something wrong with me. But I, I just think it's kind of a pain in the ass when you have to buy for adults because usually they already have what they want, and yeah. the things that I really want, I can't ask for. Like. Can someone pay my mortgage for a month? Can someone pay a car payment for me? Like, I can't ask for that stuff. But, you know, you do get to see your family. Uh, But I guess my favorite Christmas movie would either be Die Hard or A Nightmare Before Christmas.
1: Oh, wow. Die Hard. You're so edgy with the 2013 answer. Um, Well, the
0: the, the reason for that is because I hate all Christmas movies. Um, Yeah. And I hate, especially hate the one with Ralphie, with the when he licks the pole and he gets the gun. Story. Yeah, just cause it's it's on repeat on most cha- on like whatever channel it's always on every year, just twenty four hours T- of it.
1: I think it's TNT or maybe TBS. <laughs> T- probably TBS. That uh, yeah, just plays it twenty four hours straight.
0: They can go to hell because it's always <laughs> on and like it's just.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure the first time I watched it was probably good. I probably didn't mind it even if i didn't really care for it but like uh no i hate it i hate seeing it and yeah. I, I i mean i'd be happier with more christmas movies to be frank
1: yeah no just for it's variety. not very, it's not very good is the problem
0: okay i thought it was just me but i i just don't like it
1: no yeah um for me it would be it's a wonderful life now you're going way back in the way back machine to like 1946 with uh jimmy stewart and uh, it's just – it's the, the wet dream for a narcissist just being told, like, <laughs> you're actually great. You totally need to live because you're great, man.
0: Yeah, I would like the opposite of the movie where he just turns out – he goes, you know what? I am doing a bad job, and everyone else would be better off without me. I mean I would like that just for the twist, like a Shyamalan twist.
1: Oh, man. <clears throat> That's great. That's great. But I, I guess enough about Christmas and and. Yule Logs or whatever the kids are doing these days. Um, Today, we're reviewing, again, Season 1, Episode 19 of Lucha Underground. This is the titular episode, man. Grave Consequences. We're here, man. We are finally here. I am so excited. I have so many
0: notes I took down, and I have to skim. I have to cut the fat of all these notes so I can make sure I get to... So I'm not wasting time going for every single move for some of these matches. So I might not even bring up particular moves uh, just because yeah. this was a uh, – and we talked about this on a previous show. I thought it was an all it, – It was. I thought this was a, a match that took up the whole show. I was wrong. Yeah. There was other matches. And I was even thinking, like, oh, come on, I want to get to the main you – know, I want to get to Grave Consequences. But this was a good show.
1: Yeah, it was very good <clears throat> in my opinion. Um, and not only that um... – like, you had three really good stories told here, two, two that are better than others. But, uh, and the, uh, the Mil Muertes and Phoenix match, I would venture to say it's the, at this time, I don't know how the other Grave Consequences matches compare, but so far at this time, when it came out, the best casket match to date.
0: I, I, have you seen any other ca- casket matches since this one? Because I don't think I've seen one. Besides uh-huh. the second Grave Consequences, maybe?
1: Uh, well, they did, like, I think they did two more Grave Consequences matches. Um, I don't think WWE's done it. Well, they did, Uh, actually, I take that back. When they went to Saudi the first time, they did a casket match between Undertaker and Rusev, but I think that's the only casket match they've done since then.
0: Oh, really? I didn't know. See, I, And this isn't me just hating on it. I did, on WWE, I didn't know that they did that. I wonder if it was a good match, because Rusev could have... Uh, bumped a lot for undertaker
1: well you know it's the damnedest thing um i remember the backstory because i didn't see the match because i don't watch the Saudi shows um mostly because nothing happens on them but that being said um there were the the backstory was that originally okay it's undertaker versus rusev then a couple days later rusev gets pulled from the match and put in the battle royal. And replaced with Jericho. So for a couple of days, it's Taker versus Jericho. And then Twitter complains long enough that WWE acquiesces. And they put Jericho in the Battle Royal. And Rusev in the casket match. it's like, like, you guys really wanted him in this casket match, huh? I mean, you know he's going to lose, right? That's
0: incredibly bizarre.
1: You know he's going to lose. And you know it's going to be short, right?
0: Yeah, that's a weird... Like, I can... It's weird to, like, want that for a wrestler you like.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, now, granted, the alternative is being a 50-man Royal Rumble and, like, maybe getting in two spots, but still. Easier well, payday. I'm sure Rusev would have preferred the Battle Royal.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... Besides the money, though, we've never really heard too many great stories about the wrestlers' uh, experience over there, uh, especially <laughs> with the last fiasco where they were... Kind of held hostage in a bidding war, I guess, is what you would call it. Yeah. Or, the negotiation, or as the Jedi would call it, like uh, extreme negotiations. <laughs> extreme
1: negotiations. Jesus Christ. <laughs> on that note, let's uh, let's start the show, baby. And man, dee dee de- da plays us in. Uh, congratulate me. I worked really hard on that.
0: It, you did well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. In the very first match, we're getting right to the action. Drago versus Aerostar. This is match three of the series. They're tied at one-to-one. Did you notice that badass mask that Drago wore in? I I didn't
0: notice a difference in his mask. Was it different than his normal one?
1: Bruh, there was, like, teeth on the thing. The one he wore. Yeah, the one that he took off on the stairs.
0: Oh, I missed it. I completely missed that segment there.
1: (laughs) Damn you. Damn you. By the way, I noticed on Vampiro that – or pardon me, on commentary that Vampiro basically compared this rivalry to the Yankees and Red Sox, which uh, I know you're not necessarily a baseball fan, but that's high praise.
0: I can tell it was – he was praising it. It it is a good series of matches, and I really – it's one of the highlights of this show. Uh, Yes. But – and this is – he's actually improving. They're getting these guys over instead of himself, so – Yes. Even if it's not correct or if it's too much, anytime Vampiro praises or gets someone else over besides himself, we have to use positive reinforcement.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I noticed at one point Drago hit a freaking spin out Uranagi for two. That was. There
0: there was a lot of good uh, moves in this match, and, and it came down to. They were running around countering each other or, or cutting each other off. It was it was a very counter based counter wrestling based match. And it was very good because uh, anytime one of them got started getting some momentum, the other one would find a way to uh, maneuver around them or cut them off of a counter move. Uh, I, and there's so many moves to write down. I, I sent you a message earlier saying, like, what the hell is a monkey flip into a victory roll pin? Because I had that <laughs> in my notes and I can't remember what that looks like, but it oh, happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, earlier or later on Drago does one of my least favorite things in wrestling. So, um, and literally like when I first saw it in WWE, it was one of my least favorite things and seeing it here, I was a little bit irritated. Um, so Drago was okay. Aerostar was on the top rope. Drago was sitting on the middle rope with his body, like his torso, the upper half, uh, towards the apron. So outside of the ring, but on, on the apron. But Mm -hmm. he was, like, elevating himself, like, sitting himself up, waiting for Aerostar to stomp on his chest.
0: Oh, the Tree of Woe spot,
1: It's not even the Tree of Woe, because, like, you're not upside down. It's just so stupid.
0: Yeah, you would think they... This is one of those spotty wrestling things I brought up before, where it's like you can tell they're waiting for the other guy to do a move. Mm -hmm. Um I'm sure this looked really cool the first time, like uh, Patron does this move, right? But he does it yeah, towards the inside.
1: I first saw, it, yeah, because Patron does the full on, like, uh, gets the guy in the Tree of Woe. They have to freaking again. They have to get their body into like a squat position while they're si- while they're sitting, and then take the boots to the chest.
0: It's a dumb. It looks. I kind of like the way it looks, but it is stupid as hell. Because if you were trying to get down from that spot, you would just adjust your legs so that you fall down. You, what? Well, if,
1: not only that, it takes more effort for them to do what they're doing. It takes yeah. more effort for them to take the move than not take the move.
0: And yeah, it, it's it's requiring more effort and energy to to sit up like that. And yeah, I can see that. I, it's I I like the double stomp part, but it is stupid as hell.
1: Mm-hmm hmm okay uh at one point aerostar mitches misses a plancha shortly thereafter i heard a dude laughing really because it got really quiet in the temple and i heard a dude just laugh like really loud did you notice that man
0: i uh, i didn't notice that segment i did take notes uh did you see the coffin drop that aerostar did from to the outside
1: uh yes yeah
0: he calls it the la mm-hmm. bombita So that's what I'm going to be calling the uh, Coffin Drop from now on, the La Bombita.
1: La Bombita! Can we call it El Bombito and uh, masculinize it?
0: Sure. What does Bombita mean? Do you know? Uh,
1: Does it mean the bomb? I'm going to check old Google Translate out here.
0: Yeah, now I'm curious because now I didn't think about the, the gender assigning to it. So, yeah, I wonder if he's naming it after somebody or,
1: you know, Um, let's see. Yeah, this is the crack journalism you get here on. uh, I don't want it in Bulgarian, damn it.
0: It's uh, German and Spanish are the two languages I know that do have gender forms to certain certain words. Uh, So I didn't think about that at first, but that's kind of interesting. I wonder if it's named after somebody. Or if it's just a uh, a thing that is always in the female form,
1: it could be, could be. Uh, you go over more of your notes. I'm going to interrupt you when I have a translation.
0: Well, I'm going through some of the other moves. In that uh, oh. I told you about the monkey flip into a victory roll. Uh, yeah. The whole match, uh, Drago is going after the legs, like he's targeting with a. He did a modified Indian deathlock. Meanwhile, Aerostar is doing more of his usual. Uh, High flying moves. Uh, Drago does Mm -hmm. catch Aerostar in a rope hung DDT, which was pretty sweet. Uh, Aerostar missed his springboard plank splash at first, Mm -hmm. uh, but then he catches Drago with a spot where Drago's sitting on the turnbuckle on one side. Aerostar needlessly gets up on the other. Turnbuckle and rope walks over to him to do a hurricane rata. Now <laughs> it looks cool and it is cool, but it is really silly that you know because it takes time to get all the way over there where he could have just hopped up and done it, but it was still a cool thing to watch. Um, yeah, until oh, he by fin- the way, sure.
1: Sorry, um, La Bambita, when translated from Spanish to English, is the little bomb. Well, there you go, that yeah. makes sense, absolutely. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead, brother.
0: Uh, I was actually just filling for time. I think I was right up to the <laughs> end of the match. I was going to call the uh, the final move. Uh,
1: spring. I wrote down springboard dive, but I know there's something more to it.
0: It's just a plank splash. I don't know what you're supposed to call it. I just call it the plank splash because it's like what Rey Mysterio does, where they yeah. you know they don't land on their legs and their hands first. Uh, yeah, they land just, on com- their chest. Yeah, and it looks awesome. Um, yeah, uh, it makes other splashes look stupid. But it, yeah, he finally connected with that and got the win.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aerostar got the win. Uh, I noticed Drago was a little hesitant to take the handshake at the end.
0: Yeah, the announcers were pointing out that Aerostar was a little bit high and mighty about the win, like he was a little, um, <laughs> you know, too proud of himself. It, it's a story they're telling where they're getting a little bit of animosity between each other. Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm not going to spoil it by answering how I feel about that but uh I, I just, don't
1: want to thing but I just I feel like it it's not going to go anywhere
0: No, they're just trying to get some extra stink on the on the match. Uh like yeah. you'll see that in like stardom will have you know faces go after each other and they'll get a little heated like it it's like you get into an argument with your brother or your sister. Yeah, and, you know, it yeah, it, it can get
1: competition too, man. Like you'll Even like you'll play a video game with a friend and then like it it gets really down to the wire and like one of you loses and one of you is kind of mad at the other.
0: Yeah, you can take it kind of personally. Sometimes, you know, sometimes things get said, you know, just in the heat of the moment. Like we've all had a competitive game with somebody uh, where it got like I had a badminton game with my (laughs) with my cousin and it got heated. (laughs) And I don't know how, but it was just one of those things where it's like, you're not better than me. I'm better than you. It's just. it's It's bad yeah it's just uh they're just trying to make it more tense more more uh more stakes
1: yeah oh by the way speaking of more we had another conan vignette yawn uh and this one he's playing chess with prince puma and i noticed (laughs) i love that prince puma walks the streets of Boyle heights with a mask on
0: that's probably the coolest that's probably the only cool part about this segment i wrote down Oh man, I guess I cro- I didn't write down how frustrated I was with it, but I'm just so sick of these vignettes. They should be about Puma. It's really getting stupid. And Absolutely. apparently Yeah, and apparently Conan's trained in Kali or Escrima cuz he's swinging around his cane like he's got a sword and it's just it's so it's too much. It shouldn't yeah. he sh- he shouldn't have vignettes.
1: Conan should be in the Crow 5. Um <clears throat> By the way, at the end that dickhead broke the cl- broke the timer. Which one did that? Conan. Kuma wouldn't do that sort of thing.
0: Well, it's just do we th- like Conan is probably really smart. Uh yeah. I've, I've listened to keeping it 100 and uh mm-hmm. he reads a lot of books. Like I I'm not someone that believes just because you read a lot of books you're smart, but I I just from the things he says and when he doesn't say things, I get the impression that he is very intelligent. But is he a chess master? I don't know. Is he a is he a genius in Lucha Underground? Oh, no, I don't I really.
1: Down, I wrote down Bobby Conan Fisher.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's he's no Bobby the Brain. He's I don't know. He's I don't think he's doing a great job as a manager.
1: No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> he, um and we'll we'll see how or if he resolves this Brian Cage issue and uh I will have words about that and how it speaks to uh, Conan as a manager. Um, I've actually been watching a lot of uh, Breaking Bad, and he kind of reminds me of Saul Goodman, and that's not a compliment.
0: Really? I'm trying to see the ba- – yeah, I guess I can kind of see that. I just He's in, he's in it for himself. And, uh...
1: I'll get my rationale off air.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to say, like, off the bat, the, be- the better manager is Katrina, even though what's going oh. on right now. You know, she she moves the story along, not just for herself. Uh, if anything, you had to pay attention to. Well, as we're going to see, you're going to have to pay attention to the subtleties.
1: Yes, absolutely. Next up, we have we're finally here. It's the three on one, the crew versus Big Rick. And uh, I love I love that in the crew's introduction, they are billed as from the streets.
0: <laughs> I would love it if that's what their street name is called. The street street oh my
1: god (laughs) street street yeah that's oh by the way big rick still doesn't quite have his beard and it really bothers me man he
0: looks strange clean shaven with an eye patch Mm -hmm.
1: absolutely it
0: it does look weird
1: strange with an eye patch but yeah add like the no beard thing and like like even dan crenshaw at least has has a beard yeah
0: i still love the (laughs) joke that uh was it pete david's davidson said about him
1: uh i mean pete davidson didn't really tell a joke about him he's just like hey, he lost his eye or whatever
0: no he said he looks like a uh like he, he looks like an actor in a porn movie uh that was the villain that, that was a bond villain in a in a porn parody <laughs> i did i just butchered the joke but it's i always I laugh did
1: when i hear gist, it though i get the gist though that's pretty good it's pretty um, funny
0: He got in a lot of trouble for it but he, even I the, even even
1: even like they invited Crenshaw on SNL and everything, so he could apologize to him.
0: Crenshaw thought it was funny. He didn't even get upset about it back then.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Crenshaw didn't really care. Um it's a funny one. So show. I yeah, I noticed that um <clears throat> Big Rick got circled, but like he's the one who initiated combat. That was uh it's just like a caged animal, you know, like a cornered animal.
0: He was ready. Well, he's like three times their their size put together (laughs) (laughs) he was whooping their asses like they got some good chops in some good sneak attacks and some good uh chop blocks kind of moves but he was just so powerful and uh i don't know how many notes you have on the match i'll I'll hold off on how i felt about how it ended um
1: i have uh actually a comment about their editing because um so big rick um gets like cornered by the crew and just explodes up and sends them all over the ring. And I noticed that Vampiro said, and there was a change in tone here, but he said like, well, when he explodes, like he did two weeks ago, he threw those boys across the ring. And I was like, okay, well there's differences in audio. Like, oh shit, they added that in. It was probably
0: one of those things where Vampiro wasn't commentating. Like he will when he gets Mm -hmm. too excited. Uh, But I I think they're going to give up on that pretty quick.
1: Yeah. So Cisco hit a uh a stomp into a Castro DDT. I'm having a hard cuz it's been a week since I've seen the show, but I'm having a hard time visualizing that one, but I remember it being cool for some reason.
0: It was very crisp. I know exactly the spot you were you were mentioning. He was he did a double stomp to uh Rick's back. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy did a did the DDT at the same time. It was actually very smooth.
1: Yes, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, big Rick, by the way, Big Rick has like huge potential as a like a monster uh, babyface in this promotion. As far as I'm concerned,
0: I mean, they're trying to get him over right now. And, and he's destroying the crew who, you know, yeah. crippled two people pretty much. Uh, yeah. Did you but, have any uh, notes before the final?
1: I would venture to say he's getting over too, man.
0: I think so. I mean, the like I said, I'm not really too big on on his gimmick. Mm -hmm. As much as you are, but like, there's nothing wrong with it, and the fans do like it.
1: Yeah. Um, Oh, I did note that uh, Urinagi. Pardon me. Uh, Big Rick hit a Urinagi on bail on the seal. You gotta love it.
0: Always have to do it. Make a point.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Big Rick countered a double suplex attempt by uh, Castro and Cisco into his own suplex. Then he picked up a broken kendo stick. Clothesline Castro with it and got the elimination. Cisco tried to leave. Cisco tried to powder when sexy star was atop the stairs and stopped him, beat him down the temple stairs.
0: Yeah, that wasn't, that's gotta be a rough fall. No matter how well you're trained to to take bumps.
1: Exactly. And I love the finish because it was a uh, punch, a knockout punch from big Rick to the eye of Mr. Cisco. It's very cyclical or, uh circular. Um, I did you know but
0: Cortez and I wrote this down my notes, Cortez was the one that burned his eye, but Cisco got the worst of this.
1: Well yeah but Cisco's the one who uh suggested the burning of the eye if I'm not mistaken. Oh okay. Oh by the way actually I was mistaken that was not the exact finish uh because
0: Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.
1: And uh, a whoop that trick kind of ch- uh, started. Uh, that chant started. <laughs> really? It didn't last, man. I wish it would have because that sounds awesome. You know, I love hustle and flow, man. Um, <laughs> the the actual finish, though. Big Rick hit a Yuranagi on the seat of the chair. On the seat of a steel chair for the win. It was a good
0: match. I, I will point out that Vampiro, this is the first time Vampiro mentions the mentions vampire cults. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when he's going to start talking, from here on out, he's going to start talking about darkness and the dark randomly mm-hmm. matches as if it's, you know, it's he's going to beat a dead horse and then beat the dead horse's soul with this these kind of comments. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I've always been in vampire cults and it gets dark and weird and shut up like it's so stupid it's like okay sure you were
1: yeah absolutely well i mean oh i never mind i'm not gonna say it on air but there's a reason he's saying this shit
0: i'm sure it's probably true with him but it's one he's like one of those people that uh i'm not gonna come down too hard on juggalos but he's just one of those people that's like really into like Gothic stuff or, you know, juggalo mm-hmm. stuff, but they're just not very interesting and they're just doing it to just be weird. Like they're not really yeah. authentic, I-, I will say. Like it's it's like, okay, you were like they might be in a in a group of people that like uh gothic type of literature and he'll be like, Oh, I was in a gothic cult when it's not really. I don't know. I just even if it's true, I just call BS. It's like whatever, man. You're uh, tr- like I he's guess. one of those people that brags about stuff to impress
1: people, and you're like, is that a lie? <laughs> it doesn't help that Vampiro is also like a well-documented liar. Like he even claimed like to be a um, to be a bodyguard for Millie Vanilli at one point in time.
0: And you see, I believed him until recently, where people were like, "Oh, that was a lie." I'm like, really? Because it's something I can believe. Because he's a big yeah. dude. Uh, I suppose. Yes. But I always, I guess, I kind of always thought the timelines didn't match up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: right. yeah. He would
1: have been wrestling in Mexico at the time, if I'm not mistaken. What's but, the um,
0: term for a habitual liar? There's like a term, uh, term for that.
1: Uh, I don't know, man. I just use the term compulsive liar.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's what he is. So it's it's when he says stuff like this to add color. It's just kind of like. It would be me like me coming on here and being like, yeah, I was a Muay Thai fighter for a year uh, <laughs> when the truth is I trained, but I never yeah. fought, <laughs> you know, That's it's someone great. that embellishes and I just don't. Yeah. And in wrestling, you should do that, but it's always about him.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Vampiro's is the guy who comes back from summer camp uh, when, when you're a kid. He's the kid who comes back from, from summer camp and he says, yeah, I've got a girlfriend. She goes to another school. That's like the
0: best way to put it, dude. That is like the best way to articulate it. Cause that's how it comes across. And he's just um, doing it. If he were doing it to get Puma or, or even Pentagon over, it'd be great. But it's always to like, just be like, Hey, this is cool, but I'm also this. And it's, I don't know.
1: Did you know I like the band ghost?
0: <laughs> we're going to find out.
1: Oh, man, that's great. That's great. Uh, before we get to the main event, the uh, they advertise two, not one, but two title matches next week. How the hell are they advertising two title matches? There's only one title on the show. Here's how. Alberto Del, or pardon me, damn it. Alberto El Patron is facing Tejano. He's defending the AAA Mega Championship in a bull rope match. So that has a little bit of build, and uh, hopefully it's better than their uh, singles match, man. But not only that, the real main event of the evening next week Prince Puma versus Cage for the Lucha Underground Championship in a Boyle Heights street fight. That will uh, be the end of that feud as well. So next week is a bookend episode.
0: Yay. I mean, this yeah. Boyle Heights street fight, I, I just wish they would call it a street fight.
1: <laughs> I mean, um, I, I don't mind it. I think. um, I like when people like custom like when companies customize the names of street fight matches like when WWE does a Christmas show and they're like oh, it's a miracle on 34th street fight.
0: Yeah, I just uh, and this is not a uh, uh, subject. This isn't an objective thing. It's just for me, I always think like, "Oh, what's the difference?" And I always will like do like some brainstorming like, "What's the difference in this street fight? What's the catch?" And it's there's not yeah. one. So, kind of like I don't know.
1: Yeah. No. Just, an, I mean, if it's a if it's got a gimmick name, it's probably like, oh, if it's a Christmas one, oh, there's a uh, red, white, and green kindo stick underneath the ring or something like that. That's cool. And I'm really disappointed that WWE when they were in New Orleans for Mania didn't do a Bourbon Street fight. I would have loved just the billing on that one, man.
0: I would love a, a a match in WWE. Like you remember when Al Snow and I think it was uh, it was Al Snow and. Someone else, they just beat the crap out of each other throughout all the bars. Uh, it was Attitude <laughs> error. Uh, I think it maybe yeah. was Boss Man, uh, but they just went through the bars beating the crap out of each other, like hitting each other with bottles and throwing e- each other across tables. It That's was a hardcore great. title thing, I, if I remember correctly. It was awesome. Like it was a it was a low card mid card match, but they can be fun
1: too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if anyone from WWE is listening. Feel free to borrow this idea when you go back to New Orleans when the pandemic is over. Book a Bourbon Street fight and book it in Pat O'Brien's on Bourbon Street. Do it. Yes, absolutely. So we're here for the main event. And before we get here, there's a bit of a spectacle because we get at the uh, Dia de los Muertes procession, like the letting us know, like, OK, someone's soul is leaving. Someone's soul is leaving tonight. Could be Phoenix, could be Mil Muertes, but you know you had everyone in the uh, the Day of the Dead makeup. Um, just a good attention to detail.
0: It set the tone really well. Like it's not just a casket match; it's a Day of the Dead match, and it's really cool. It fits the motif. Uh, you got two guys here, and you're going to see coming up. You got Mil Muertes, who's death, and you got Phoenix, who's about rebirth. He's the guy. He's the man that can't die. The man of a thousand lives. And the yeah. match is going to be based around Mill is going to be trying to kill the man that can't die. And, and you're going to see how that how that what that looks like.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, let's see here. Oh, this. OK, because there is an opening note in Millmore because everyone uses stock music. But there is an opening note in Mil This music that is just so epic. And like it came on right after the funeral procession and it just made it immediately feel like a big fight. Like people say big fight feel this immediately felt like a big fight.
0: This match sets. This is the match that really set Lucha Underground on its course and set the tone for future episodes.
1: Yeah, we've said it before. This is literally the reason we're doing this podcast.
0: And I don't want to hype it up so people are like, like, ultimately, you know, it can't live up to the hype, but it's yeah, I know. It's it's probably not going to don't think it's the best match ever in the world but it's a no. unique match and it has its it it has its own
1: it's a unique match that has a great build. You need has, the the key you need to see the the beginning of the feud as well.
0: It sets the personality and theme and tone of future matches for Lucha Underground. It they'd go a little bit further with all this but this this match really gives it its identity if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I love how, because Phoenix came out second, by the way, and I, I believe Phoenix came out with Katrina. And that being said, a b- little bit of a role, re- role reversal, because when Phoenix like, hit the bottom of the steps, Mil dove out onto him. And Jesus Christ, someone the, the size and weight of Mil diving out at you, I would be scared shitless, dude.
0: I'd move. I wouldn't catch him.
1: I would a little drop gonna base for this guy nope
0: i'd be like (laughs) the miz i'd be smart i'd get the fuck out of the way
1: that's great oh my god meal threw phoenix at the announce table and both of the commentators said oh shit (laughs) they do it a few times over the end that that announce table is like (laughs) hardwood blame them
0: that i don't think anyone's ever and they, they try to put people through this table throughout the show i don't think anyone's able to go through it it's that it's that hard
1: it's a uh, like a it's like a Japanese table on steroids, man.
0: It's like a real desk <laughs> made. Uh-huh. Is if if they made a desk to survive wrestling matches, this is what
1: they would have made. <laughs> yes, it's specifically designed to to survive wrestling matches. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, uh, I love that Phoenix was dressed in black, like he's here for a funeral. You know, Johnny Cash style.
0: They all fit the the motif. It's a very. And and the the struggle between life and death. And I, I don't know if you noticed, I'm, I'm sure you did. This was really one-sided.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. This was one-sided.
0: This is just Mill trying to kill Phoenix like 90% of the match. Mm-hmm. He's not even caring about... He doesn't... I don't think he even tries to put Phoenix in the casket once.
1: I don't think so, no. I don't think he got the opportunity by uh, the time all, all things were said and done. Uh, I love that. And I think you wrote this down as well. Phoenix goes out to dive at one point and meal cuts him off by just elevating the casket over the ropes. So he dives headfirst into the
0: casket. Pretty much kills him. He basically lawn darts himself into the casket and you know, you can do the wrestling props and you can make things a little bit more easier to bump into, but I don't know. It's, it looks like a real coffin.
1: So meal, uh, just immediately starts ripping off Phoenix's mask. So like, he's not here for honor whatsoever. Like this is a blood feud. Absolutely. You
0: know, he's trying to murder this man. The whole he's match. Literally
1: trying to kill him. Yeah.
0: He takes the ring, uh, the ring ropes down and takes the ring, the hook that connects it to the turnbuckle and starts yep. bashing him in the head with that. Make him. bleed. Mm-hmm. I think he busts him open hard way.
1: Yeah, he busts him open, whether it was hard way or gimmick. You know, doesn't necessarily matter. Um, they both probably Meal, suck. Meal started biting him. A couple times, and he spits the blood out. It was gross. That's even worse. And this made me laugh. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, after he, the first time he started biting him, Meal, like, stares at Katrina, Katrina and wags his tongue at her. And Vampiro...
0: Is he's doing great here? Uh, I think he calls it a him. Our strikers calls it a mouthful of sangria, and that's what they'll mm. refer to it as going forward. Stri- yeah. yeah, it's a it was a really good call. Like I know we're hard on them, but that's just because they do they make really good calls like this, and they add really good color going forward. They just the beginning episodes they weren't really gelling, or they they weren't always on the top of the game. But this is when yeah. they start really adding flavor to it.
1: They're like us, man. They started off. It's kind of rough initially, but now we're the fucking greatest podcasting duo on the network. It, it's it's not true. even that. We're the greatest podcasting duo, period. You know, that's just how it goes, man.
0: Hey, I'll stop you when you when you're wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there Thank was a you. part where the ref was kind of and
0: I don't know if you could hear this, but the ref was asking Phoenix if he quits. And I wrote yeah. down, he, I was Marty like, he can't Elias, quit.
1: <laughs> Marty Elias wasn't even like asking. He was begging him. He's like, come on, just quit, dude. Just quit. I don't think you can end the match that way, though. I'm pretty sure you can't. But <laughs> so before that, though, uh, Mil Martes took them up to the roof and uh, <laughs> Mil tried for a suplex off the roof, but it didn't quite hit. And uh, Phoenix tried to counter, but not enough. So they, they get away from that uh, edge of the edge of the uh, top there. And... Meal throws Phoenix at an air conditioning unit Head
0: headfirst. He bashes his head into it. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. alley oops him into it.
1: Yeah. Phoenix tumbles down the bleachers.
0: You've seen that, that gif or that video where that kid's running and he jumps and his head hits the, the top part of the door. Oh shit. It's like this lanky yeah. white kid. He just runs and jumps yeah. and it makes that horrible clanging sound. That's basically what this was.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Phoenix, like I said, tumbled down the bleachers. They brought through the announce table. I don't think anyone. Um, oh. Pardon me. Pardon me. Mill actually hit a power bomb on the announce table. But like you referred to earlier, it didn't break because it's sturdy as all hell. It's got to suck, man. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a <laughs> shitty spot. <laughs> Absolutely. Mill Muertes eventually pulls the casket into the ring. <laughs> phoenix oh my god phoenix is running at mil Muertes and runs right into a suplex on the coffin jesus christ dude and his, his whole b- his whole, whole body hit the coffin
0: was that the belly to belly suplex
1: uh it was either a belly to belly to belly or a german I'm, I'm not sure no it wasn't a german
0: it was some kind of over the overhead suplex though
1: right yeah yeah absolutely
0: It was a he he. that's like the second time he's hit the coffin, like any momentum he gets, like Mill just throws him into something else. Uh, One of my favorite segments was Mill just grabs his head. And, you know, those those iron gates that are at the second level that separate the fans from the ring. And it has some gift to it, but he's slamming uh, Phoenix's face into it. And it's making like that, that very satisfying, like clashing sound when he, and he's just doing it repeatedly. He's just holding his whole head with yeah. both hands and just repeatedly and, smashing his
1: face into it. Yeah. And I love the attention to detail from Striker. But he mentions like, this isn't a, uh, clean cut building or anything. Like there are jagged edges here. Like once you get done with this match, if you make it through, you're going to have to renew your tetanus shot.
0: <laughs> it's very true. I think I was thinking that at that moment, because they go upstairs And it's really dirty up there. I know they set the stage like that, but it's it's like a really gritty warehouse.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Phoenix dove onto Mill from that railing. Uh, Let's see here. uh, Mill then whipped Phoenix into the guardrail. Oh, uh, you already talked about that. Never mind. Uh, Vampiro actually dropped a goddamn on TV. Deservedly so. This
0: match was nuts. Yeah. We were watching a man die.
1: Yes, absolutely. We just didn't know which one. Uh, Phoenix ducked a clothesline, and <laughs> Katrina Katrina, ate the shit out of it, dude. Yeah, she got hit hard with
0: that. That was a strong style clothesline.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Phoenix hit an Inziguri with the distraction. Let's see here. I wrote down Striker and Vamp were damn good here. I think we kind of hit on that earlier. But, dude, they are. They're getting so much better, for sure. Um. Let's see. Yeah, Katrina eventually opens the leg. Damn, I can't even talk today. It's too early in the morning. Katrina op- opens the lid. Phoenix walks the ropes into a double stomp on Mill. Katrina licks the stone, stuffs it in the casket with Mill, and shuts the lid. The match is over. But to me, like that's not the end here because like Katrina watches the uh, Dia de los Mor- We're at this procession, take the, um, take the casket out of the arena and she looks kind of satisfied. Then she kind of gives Phoenix this really weird look, you know, like, oh, mission accomplished.
0: She looks at him with a very sinister look and then she Mm -hmm. leaves with them and it
1: was what leaves Phoenix and Phoenix is too. Oh, by the way, like Phoenix's mask is almost completely gone by the end of the match. By the way, it's shreds,
0: but, uh, she licks the rock, which is signifying like when she gives people the lick of death and she puts mm-hmm. it in there with them. And mm-hmm. we got, I guess I got to pay attention to future matches, but I think this was about the death of, uh, uh, what was his first name?
1: Pasquale Mendoza.
0: Pasquale Mendoza. I think this was all about the death of the last shreds of humanity. Cause she leaves with them with that coffin. Cause she can do stuff with people that are dead. She doesn't stay with Phoenix.
1: No, no, he, he was a means and to an end. Phoenix didn't even really like seem to. I mean, I'm sure he cared, but like he didn't notice at the time because he was still like licking his wounds, you know, because he nearly died.
0: He's licking his wounds. It's understandable. But if, if it's not clear, he's the simp in this situation. Uh, <laughs> he, he did her bidding. She's leaving with her boyfriend. Yes. Uh, some
1: might say some might say he's the cuck and Milmorthis is the bull. Yes.
0: Well. well she's in the relationship with mill so i don't know if that
1: fits well that doesn't quite fit but whatever i don't care you
0: just wanted to say it and i understand (laughs) but yeah it's it's uh you don't even have to pay attention to the nuances it's pretty clear that something else is going on with katrina phoenix was there's no
1: subtlety to this
0: no phoenix was just a tool to be used in this situation and hopefully he got what he wanted because uh death never goes away
1: no absolutely not absolutely not um so that's gonna be the end of the show but before we get out of here um one to ten how are we rating this one man a nine really uh i'm actually gonna one-up you um this was literally the perfect episode Mm. You had great action from Phoenix or pardon me from Drago and Aerostar. You had a great story being told by the other two matches on the card as weak as Rick and crew might have been, you know, conventionally speaking. You have literally the best casket match ever. And it's just it's the perfect episode. It's 10 out of 10. And I'm not going to give out many of these like they are hard earned. Like I'm not Dave Meltzer. I'm not going to give out any 11s or anything. So again, if if there is one episode to go back and watch, it's this one.
0: Yeah, I have to give it a nine just because of the Conan nonsense, the, the vignettes yeah. with him, and okay. I didn't care too. I mean, the Big Rick match was good, and it had a very mm-hmm. satisfying ending. Uh, but I just was never really as into it as as you were. Uh, not that there's yeah. anything wrong with it; it just wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, it it does have all the variables to make a good story: uh, redemption, revenge. Uh, you know the villains are are you know scumbag evil like cruel and the hero mm-hmm. is redemption like he was a bad guy too and he's getting redemption and sexy star gets her one-uppance uh, on them so it, it has everything in there but it just for me it's the sum of its parts wasn't as interesting
1: yeah yeah so we are gonna get out of here um oh by the way before we do though every wednesday night a little podcast i do called part damn it dude i am all over the place right now i didn't get nearly enough sleep you're Um, fine yeah it's (laughs) it's, it's, this i don't even need to edit this
0: out this will be fine
1: that's fine yeah leave it on i don't care let the people hear man let the people hear what caleb sounds like when he doesn't get enough sleep um wednesday nights eddie and caleb's hero cast uh this drops on the seventh we said
0: this one will yeah
1: Okay, so the day before this drops, uh, my review of Batman and Robin will drop. And that is going to be exciting for sure. Uh, George Clooney literally played the role gay. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just kind of it's different, you know. But uh, besides that, it's not a good movie. Uh, We also had um, Carl from uh, what the hell is that show called on Chair Shot? Um, Damn it. Outsider's Edge. Uh, Carl from Outsider's Edge is on that show. A uh, good friend of mine. So, uh, on the side, I'm also doing this thing called It Doesn't Matter What We Call This. Uh, it's me and a buddy, uh, All the Money MC. Follow us Twitter if you want. Feel free. Uh, I don't care. Uh, we basically banter about whether it's current product or revisiting old product. Uh, we'll banter for about 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, just depends on, you know, we go with the flow. It's a, it's a fun little thing. Uh, feel free to check it out wherever you download your podcast. It's always appreciated. And remember in life, sometimes you may be wrong. Like when you say like oh well oh, Caleb and Caleb and Greg they're not the best podcasting duo. But again, you'd be wrong. And sometimes sometimes when you're wrong, there's nothing more and nothing less than grave consequences. Folks, we are not alone here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. There are plenty of other great shows on here. None as great as ours, of course. But we have on this lineup a bivvy of great shows, including 8-Bit Suplex, Suplex, hosted by Sandy Gaviria and Josh McLaughlin, even though he hates me for some reason. We also have All Things Elite, hosted by Austin S. and my boy, my fellow Oki Floyd Johnson Jr., Again, that's all things elite. That covers AEW and it does it in a damn good way. We got Get in the Ring, DJ Cooks, great host. Also, he hosts a show called The Great Match Generator. And I believe uh once or twice you've been on that show, if I'm not mistaken, right, Greg?
0: I was on the first one.
1: We've also got Grown Men Watch This Shit. Again, that's James Vanderbeek and Chris Bryan. Two great guys, in my opinion. Another show. Uh New Japan Centric. Keeping it strong style, hosted by Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh Smith, a couple of great guys, in my opinion. Loads of great people on this network, if you if you notice the theme. Also, of course, we got the OGs of Social Suplex. We got One Nation Radio hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. Every Sunday on the network. We've also got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Last but not least, I love those guys. They're my homies from Scotland. Ricky, you are one handsome devil, and you guys put on a great podcast. And always remember to listen to the Grave Consequences podcast, or there will be grave consequences.